Welcome to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information, visit us at compasslu.org. Well, good morning. Welcome to Compass. Uh, We're going to be talking this morning about kingdom righteousness. Uh, This is our third major kingdom theme that we've been looking at through the Bible. We talked about kingdom power a couple weeks ago and then kingdom justice last week. So just like we've been doing uh, in this part of our series on the kingdom, we're going to look at righteousness sort of across the whole Bible and how it relates to the kingdom of God, which is uh, in its fullness expressed when Jesus Christ comes back. That's when God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today, what we're going to be doing is keep building our understanding of what it means to be Christians, what it means to be followers of Christ, what it means to be people with kingdom citizenship. And so, like I said, a couple weeks ago, we talked about kingdom power. Um, We saw that God has given us the spirit in advance of the end times, that it was an end times thing that was prophesied about, and he brought it into the present for us at the day of Pentecost and continues to do that. And that, of course, is the how of the Christian walk. Last week, we looked at kingdom justice, and we saw that God will set everything right in the end. We don't get perfect justice in this life right now, but that God will set everything right in the future. The wicked will absolutely be punished, and the just will be rewarded. And so then in our time, God's view of justice flows from his love for all people, especially those who are righteous and still downcast, left aside, broken. And so in response to God's love for us and others, we should seek justice. That's what we talked about last week. So this week we're going to be talking about righteousness. And in some ways, righteousness and justice are very much tied together. We'll see that here in a little bit. Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a different uh, uh, path this morning than what we've been doing. Uh, I've long had a fuzzy view on what righteousness is. And I think it's a term that over, at least over my life, I'll speak for myself, I have been tempted to build a theology of righteousness based on one verse or another verse and sort of combine those verses together and sort of build a theology from that. And so instead of doing that, what I wanted to do this morning is build a more comprehensive theology of righteousness first, and then we'll get into our three usual questions of what is the bad news, what is the good news in the future, and then what is the good news for today. So we're going to start with what is righteousness this morning, because I really want, um, it's, in some ways it's an incredibly easy concept to get, uh, but in some ways it's also difficult. And part of that difficulty is how the Bible uses it, because the Bible uses it in a couple of different ways. And so we're going to start with what is righteousness in the English language. So righteousness is the quality or state of being righteous. Okay, well then, what is righteous? <laughs> that doesn't help me. I don't know what righteous is. Righteous is characterized by uprightness or morality, morally right or justifiable, acting in an upright moral way or virtuous. So simply put, righteousness could be defined as the state of being right or, the st- or, or when we're called right. Um, so it's the state of being right. Now, I want to point out that in the Bible especially, but I think, I think even in our language, the idea of righteousness is always tied to a standard. And so whenever we're asking about righteousness, we also have to ask the question, what's the standard for this righteousness? And so, married men, I want you to pay attention for a second. I said that righteousness is the, st- the quality of state of being right. In the context of your marriage, what this means is men cannot be righteous. And I think that's why Romans 3.10b in the Darby translation says, there is not a righteous man, no, not even one. 
I'm teasing. I'm teasing. All right. I'm teasing. In all seriousness, though, Ezekiel 18.5 defines the righteous one as the one who does, uh, who is just and right. The one who, who does what is just and right. And in 1 John 3, 7, it agrees. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. So on a very simple level, what we're talking about is doing the right thing. That's what righteousness is, according to whatever standard we're, we're talking about. So again, we're going to be two for, t- two for three. I didn't ask you to do a word study on power, but I did ask you to do a word study on justice last week if you're interested. This week, I'm going to ask you the same thing for righteousness. The Hebrew word is tzedakah. Tzedakah? Is that Okay. I don't know. Anna, did I get a passing mark, failing mark? I don't know. Okay. Well, you're so nice. I feel like I fail every week at this, but <laughs> you're so generous. So the idea of righteousness in the Hebrew is related to justice. I mentioned that before, but if you do a word study, if you go and do it, you'll find over 70 times in the Bible, justice and righteousness, you can find them in the same exact verse. So they're related concepts. And as we saw last week, justice does have a legal context, and so does righteousness. And again, righteousness is the state of being just or the state of being right. So in the context of the law, what that means is obeying the law, doing the law, right? If you're talking about speed limits earlier and (laughs) all that, right? So if I'm righteous according to the speed limit, that means I am under the speed limit. Now, the opposite of righteousness, it's important to point out, is sin. The opposite of righteousness is sin. So we have on one side, we have obedience and righteousness. On the other side, we have sin. You can turn with me to Deuteronomy 6. We'll get here in a moment. There is an aspect of righteousness that has to do with being upright in public. So when we think about um, dealing with our neighbor in a more general sense, in Leviticus 19, God asked Israel to judge their neighbor, quote, in righteousness. And later in the chapter, God talks about just weights and just measures. And so that's in the context of the marketplace. You know, you go to the marketplace, you have things that you're buying and selling, you're trading. And when you do those things, you're supposed to do them in righteousness, uh, which means using just weights and just measures. So there is an, an aspect that has to do with being upright or moral in the public sphere. Uh, there is another aspect of righteousness, and that has to do with obeying God. And in Deuteronomy 6, this is the first verse for us this morning, one of my favorite sections here. And in verse 24, it says, And the Lord Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. Verse 25, And it will be what? Righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before Yahweh our God as he has commanded us. So, What we see here is that God's commandments are for our good always. They're for our benefit always. But that righteousness in this context flows from our obedience to his commandments. But what I want to point out about this is that, um, you know, we think about like there's blessings for obedience, there's blessings for righteousness, and you can get this idea in your head that's like quid pro quo or like pay to play or tit for tat. Like, you know, I pay God obedience and he gives me righteousness. Like it's transactional. I just want to point out that that's not exactly what we're talking about here. God does bless those who are righteous. He does reward those who are righteous. But we have to remember that God wants what's best for us. So the rewards that come from obedience are because God has our best interest at heart. Obedience is in our best interest. Right, following, pursuing righteousness is in our best interest. So that's where the blessings come in. 
If you want to turn with me to Psalm, the, the book of Psalms, Psalm 5. Um, there's, there's some other really cool stuff here. And I, I mean, th- I'm, we're just scratching, going to scratch the surface this morning. But in Psalm 5, verse 8, it says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And now in the context of this particular psalm, we're, you know, there is a physical enemy that's going on here. Uh, there is some evasion of some evil plots against the psalmist. Uh, but here, what I want to point out is how many times can we, have we heard either in the Bible or in sermons that we've heard or maybe in messages during gifts or manifestations time that God wants to make our path straight, that he's preparing our path, that he wants us to find the narrow path or find the straight path. How many times have we heard that message? And what I'm suggesting to you is that those messages are talking about obedience. They're talking about righteousness. When we talk about following that path that God has laid before us, it's a righteous path. Let's uh, turn a couple pages here to Psalm 11. Here's just another example of how righteousness and obedience are hand in hand. In in Psalm 11, verse 7, it says, For Yahweh is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright, or the righteous one, shall behold his face. So God's very nature, then, is righteous. So if we want to see him clearly, we have to obey. And when we do that, it's a really cool thing because God is righteous. We imitate his righteousness. And then... It's almost like we can become then a mirror where we see God's goodness and his grace and his love and all the things that he wants to give to the world. And because we are a good mirror reflecting that into the world now, other people get invited into that. Other people can see his righteousness. Other people can see the blessings that he wants for them and for their lives. And so even in the Old Testament, even under the uh, Mosaic Covenant, uh, we can see that that righteousness, it's not... um, It's not like I do this thing because I want God's affection. It's I do this thing because I believe that what God has for me is the best. And I want to be a part of that and bring others into that as well. The deeper levels of obedience that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Let's turn to 1 Kings. 1 Kings uh, chapter 3. There is an aspect, like I said, of righteousness that has to deal with the context. So what that means in a biblical sense is... We're talking about covenants. We're generally talking about what is righteous under one covenant or under another covenant. And we're going to get to what Paul talks about with righteousness in a a little bit. But oftentimes, you know, we look at what Paul says about righteousness. And he says stuff like, you know, under it's it's impossible for someone to be justified or made righteous under the, the law of Moses. That's a specific covenant. So he's talking in a specific context. And so I want to point out that on God's side... On God's side, when we talk about righteousness, we're talking about his faithfulness to keep his covenants, to keep that relationship with humanity that he has set up. And so that's one aspect of righteousness. We've already seen in Deuteronomy 6, that's part of the law, that the blessings of righteousness. But here in 1 Kings 3, I just want to point out one verse here, verse 6. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. 
So what this is talking about is God's faithfulness to David, his servant, David, and now that being expressed through the ministry of his son, Solomon. And it, it's sort of um, unclear for us here in the, in the verse, you know, the ESV does, I think, a better job of translating it, steadfast love, but that word steadfast love occurs here twice. It's the Hebrew word hesed, and what it means is covenant love, covenant faithfulness. And so this whole thing is bound up in this promise that God gave to David and how that gets expressed now in Solomon ultimately gets most expressed in Jesus, in the son that would sit on David's throne forever. So when we talk about the righteousness of God, we have to understand that God is always righteous. He's always going to fulfill his side of whatever covenant agreement, whatever context we're talking about. He's always going to be faithful. Um, and so that's the righteousness of God. And so when we talk about humanity expressing, or in some sense having the righteousness of God, that also implies some sort of faithfulness to whatever agreement or covenant or situation context that we're in. And so that's our response to his faithfulness. And what I think is beautiful is when you look at the whole Hebrew Bible, the whole Old Testament, and you see how God worked through humanity through the ages, what you'll see is God didn't just like pull the trigger as soon as they started wandering. He gave them years and years and years. And the pro he sends prophet after prophet after prophet and says, go tell them to stop doing this and to do that instead. And they go and they faithfully serve and they faithfully minister and they, they, they warn the people and the people don't respond. It takes years and years and years. You're talking hundreds of years before finally these foreign powers come in and, and take uh, Israel and then Judah over. And so God is faithful beyond what's reasonable, <laughs> really. <laughs> His faithfulness and his mercy extends. We're going to talk about mercy more uh, in another section. All right, let's turn to Romans 5. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. So what is the bad news? Now that we understand a little bit more about righteousness, we see that it's acting rightly or obeying. Uh, it's in the context of an agreement or a covenant or some sort of, it has to have some sort of context. Um, so the bad news, I think, is pretty obvious with respect to righteousness. <laughs> Bad news is we, we done messed up a long time ago. <laughs> uh, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death, was, uh, death spread to all men because all sinned. So the idea is, is that Adam sinned, and because of Adam's sin, sin entered into the world and death through sin. Um, and so death spread to all men because we've all sinned. And, you know, we don't have t time today to read through, but I would encourage you, if you want to learn more about righteousness, read all the way through Romans. Romans is all about righteousness. Um, but just in respect of our time here this morning, uh, the bad news is Adam and Eve sinned. They rejected God's way of doing things. They rejected righteousness. They rejected the rule and reign of God. And because of that, sin and death entered into the world. So what we're, what we're seeing now uh, with this bad news with respect to righteousness is you have righteousness and obedience and I'm going to say life on one side. And then on the other side, as Romans says, you've got sin and death. So righteousness and sin are always opposite each other. What is the ultimate good news? Uh, we can turn to Zechariah if you want to find that. If you don't, you can just read on the slide. Totally fine. No judgment here. Zechariah 
chapter 8. I will read verses 7 and 8 here. It says, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. And so again, we have, and there's all sorts of pictures of this all through Isaiah and the different prophets. Uh, we saw last week in Jeremiah 23 that uh, one of the titles of the branch would be the Lord, your righteousness. This coming king is going to be a king of righteousness. When Jesus Christ comes back, that he's going to set up a throne of righteousness. And he's going to uh, reign in that way forever, in a righteous and just way forever. And here what we see is, again, God is going to bring his people back. Uh, we're, we saw in other sections of this series that that's talking about, in, in its fullest extent, this restored earth that God is going to set up. And when that happens... Uh, we will be his people in a way that's beyond even what we experience today. He will be our God in a way that's even beyond our experience of him today. And he will be faithful and righteous, and we will be faithful and righteous with him as well. So that is the ultimate good news. That is the ultimate good news, is that we do have this promised reality in the future that because God judged us righteous at the cross— that we will experience the fullness of righteousness when Jesus Christ comes back. So there is something weird about this, this justification of this righteousness decree in my mind because in some sense it's past. In some sense it's at the cross when we accept Christ, it goes back in time almost. But also it's still future <laughs> in some weird way because we don't experience full righteousness right now. We won't, we won't experience it until Jesus comes back. So now I want to unpack the good news for today. You can turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Um, there are two passages that I think um, really, uh, in Paul's work, really uh, develop a lot about righteousness. And earlier I was talking about building a theology of righteousness from sort of one verse or another verse. And the two places I would look are 2 Corinthians 5 and then the book of Romans. And so what we're going to actually do right now is go into those contexts and I want to show you that because of what we've learned about righteousness to this point, that righteousness comes into context, that there's a specific covenant or agreement in mind, I'm going to show you that there is an expectation for us as well. I'm not denying the fact that God has already declared us righteous in Christ at the cross, that when we accept Jesus, that's part of the benefits and the blessings that we have as Christians, as followers of Christ. What I'm saying is that there's this other idea, this other message, this other layer, you could call it even, of righteousness. And what that ta is talking about is our response to what God has done. Our response to what God has done. And in both of these major contexts Paul talks about righteousness, he talks about both of them. And I'm going to show you that. So the good news for today is God has already decided the lawsuit against us. So praise God. Praise God for that. <laughs> Amen. We're not under the old covenant. Paul again says multiple times, if you want to be justified by the works of the law of Moses, it's not going to work out for you. You're not going to be able to be righteous. There's only one who's able to do that. That's our Lord. But because we've been judged just, how are we supposed to live now? That's the question we're going to look at. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the context here is he is talking about um, how uh, Christ died and Christ died for all. So therefore we should... Uh, live for him. Verse 16, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? 
a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him... God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So again, we see here in this context of becoming the righteousness of God, something's going on here. It's not just we get this benefit of the righteousness of God. In the context, it assumes we are walking like we are new creations. We are walking in that newness of life that God has given us. And the other thing that we see here is that uh, God has made us ambassadors for Christ. God has made us ambassadors for Christ. So our old life is over. That's what righteousness is talking about. Our old life is over. If we believe that he's declared us to be righteous, if he has in the court of law said, you are not guilty, what kind of, what kind of people would we be if you sit in a court? Like, imagine you're in a courtroom. You're on trial for murder, and the judge just says, hey, you're not guilty for murder. Is the first thing that you do after that declaration going to be to go out and murder someone? <laughs> You were just declared that you weren't a murderer. What are you going to do? In the, especially in that courtroom, what are you going to do? Uh, thank you. I'll be on my way out the door now. <laughs> I'm not going to be murdering anyone. So the life, this is the life we're to live. It's a new creation life. It's the life of righteousness. It's a kingdom life. So God has acted independently of human response through and in Christ. That's true. He has acted independently of human response. It says here that he reconciled the, the world to himself. He wants to draw everyone in that he can. But our response to that is to live that way and to invite others into it. It says, it says here in the context that we are his ambassadors. Now, our success as ambassadors depends on our ability to bring the best of our culture, of our lifestyle, and yes, of our kingdom righteousness to the world at large. That is what we've been called to do. We now have the amazing task of helping others be reconciled back to God. And so if others are going to see God, as we saw in Psalms, if others are going to see God through us, we have to be righteous. We have to act righteously. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. If you, again, if you want to understand what Paul says about righteousness, you can read all of Romans. I mean, really, he's, it's one of the main focuses of the book of Romans is to talk about righteousness. And we're sort of joining it at the end of his initial discourse on righteousness. And the reason why we're joining it at the end is because, again, there have been so many things that have been said about the first five chapters of Romans that I think, uh, unfortunately, have been taken out of context. And so um, I think those things are worth saying and they're worth looking into, but um, there is this other aspect to it that Paul brings out, and it happens here in Romans chapter 6. So in the context, we're talking about uh, how God has decided in Christ that we are righteous. And Paul's going to ask the explicit question that probably has been on all of our minds at some point in our lives. In verse 15, it says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under, under law but under grace? So he's saying... You had to be righteous when you're under that Mosaic covenant. You had to be righteous to that covenant. And what did that look like? 
It looked like getting circumcised. It looked like obeying the food laws. It looked like not eating with Gentiles. It looked like all these things that you had to do to be righteous before God. And now he's saying, we're not under that covenant anymore. We're not under that covenant anymore. So what does it look like to be righteous under this new relationship? This new thing that God is doing in Christ, this new creation reality, this new covenant, what is God doing? By no means, he says, no, absolutely not. Verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads where? To death, or or of obedience, which leads to what? Righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So again, we can go to Romans 3, we can go to Galatians 3, we can talk about what the obligations were under the works of the law of Moses, we can build that whole theology up, and Paul says, look, that doesn't matter anymore. God's doing a new thing in Christ. But under the new covenant, righteousness still involves obedience. It's just obedience to a different thing. It's obedience to a different set of standards. It's a new covenant. It's a new set of blessings, new set of requirements. So Paul is not saying that there is no more a godly standard to live by. He's saying that that standard has changed. So what is our standard today? Our standard is Christ. That's our standard. We've been given the Spirit. That's something that helps us obey from the heart. The law could not defeat sin. That's Paul's whole point. But the powerful word we can receive in the Bible is that grace can defeat sin. Titus 2.12 says that grace should, quote, be training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's what Titus 2.12 says about grace. So between Romans and what what he says in Titus, Paul is saying something along the lines of, you want to show me your grace through sin? I'll show you my grace through righteous obedience. That's what Paul is saying. I've got two examples for us this morning that I, help, I think help drive the point home. And I, I've got to thank my brother, uh, Garrett Bova, who's a pastor in, in Illinois. Uh, he gave both these examples in a recent sermon, and I thought they were really cool. Uh, one of them is, uh, imagine that you are traveling. Okay, so you are traveling to the United Kingdom. Now imagine you're traveling to the United Kingdom and you go and rent a car. If you try to drive that car on the right side of the road, what's going to happen? <laughs> you're not going to go very far before you get in trouble, right? You're going to get pulled over, you're going to get in an accident. Why is that the case? Because in this country, under these rules, under these requirements, we can drive on the right side of the road. But over there, they drive on the left side of the road. They drive on the other side of the road. And so what is valid or true in one kingdom is not valid or true in another kingdom. So the implication is, if we know where we're going, we're going to end up in that future kingdom of God, why are we going to drive on the wrong side of the road in this life? There's another example, poignant example he gave um, about adoption. Imagine, uh, if you will, a young man who's um, maybe a later teenager, He's been homeless for a period of time. He's got rags for clothes. Uh, He is perpetually hungry, has to steal food when he wants to eat. 
um, has no place to live. Uh, he's, he's incredibly dirty. Um, he has an awful vocabulary because he's around all sorts of the wrong people all the time. Uh, he's addicted to alcohol and drugs, and that's whenever he does get a little extra money, that's what he puts his money into. Now imagine the mayor of his city coming up to him and saying, Son, I want to adopt you. I want to bring you into my household. I want to change your life. So the man takes him and he brings him into his house. And the first thing that he does is he pays off all his debts. He says, I'm going to go back to all the stores you've robbed. I'm going to pay them back in full for whatever you've stolen and, and make sure that everything's taken care of there. There's no trouble with the law anymore. So he takes care of his debts. He makes sure that the, the police know not to have a warrant out for his arrest or to be concerned about this guy anymore. He's taking care of all those things. He, makes, he takes those, those rags off of him. He makes sure he, he's groomed and he, can, he gets cleansed. He goes and he takes a shower and he you know, takes care of his hair. He makes sure he gets a haircut. He provides him a whole new wardrobe. He brings him into his house and he says, look, this is your room. You've got brothers and sisters now. You've got a new place to live. But here are the things. There are rules. You can't use that kind of language anymore. We don't do drugs in this house. We don't drink that kind of alcohol anymore. We don't live that way anymore. You don't need to live that way anymore. But I will provide for you food. I'll provide for you a home. I'll provide for you everything that you need. If you want to go to school later, I'll pay for your schooling. I'll do anything and everything for you. I just need you to abide by these rules among your brothers and sisters. Now, what's the response of that son going to be? Because of his thankfulness for what his new dad has done for him. God has made us righteous so that we can live righteously. And we get to invite others into God's family by participating in that righteousness. That's what we have going on. You can turn with me to Matthew 6. That's where we'll close this morning. So I agree. Math, uh, God has declared us righteous through his son. He has declared us righteous. And now our task is to seek after that righteousness, to live in a way that fits that. And so in Matthew 6, we've been in Matthew a lot during the kingdom series. Matthew is a great uh, area if you want to talk about the kingdom, especially the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in and out of the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to read the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about righteousness left and right. But here in Matthew 6, one of the most probably popular kingdom passages in the whole Bible. Look at what Jesus says. He says in the context of, of not uh, putting our trust in earthly riches, in the context of not being concerned about food, clothing, and shelter, in the context of these things, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these blessings will be added to you. And so that's our responsibility. God has made us righteous. He has declared, declared that we are right before him. Our job now is to seek his righteousness with all of our hearts. And as we do so, we invite others into God's presence and his love and mercy. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful for how you have declared us right, that you have made that decree, that you have given us a new path to you through your son, Jesus. Uh, we're thankful that we have uh, this, this kind of righteousness that, that we can hold on to when, uh, when things are, are not feeling great, that we can know that we are right before you as we follow your son. 
We're thankful for the fact that you've laid out for us in, in your word and through the example of your son Jesus, how we can be obedient, how we can live up to that standard that you set for us in this time. And Father, we're not going to do it perfectly, but we do know that you're at work within us to will and to do of your good pleasure, that you do enable us through the Spirit to do amazing, wonderful things. And God, we ask for that. We ask for you to empower us, to fill us with your Spirit, and to show us the right way to go each and every day. And so, Father, as with our, our hearts lifted up to you and tied to you, that we just ask for you to continue to do that. Just continue to uh, dwell in our hearts, continue to help us uh, live more and more righteously, not so that we can be self-righteous, not so that we can put up our, our chins at the world, not so that we can um, be like Pharisees. That's not what it's for, God, it's so that we can humbly present you and your love to the world around us. So we, we ask you to work within us each and every day. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information on how we are striving to follow Jesus together here in Louisville, Kentucky, check out our website, compasslu.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and view additional resources.